the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. What eventful days these are. Amy Coney Barrett is about two and a half weeks from being justice Amy Coney Barrett. We'll talk about that in a moment. And uh, the President of the United States is out on the stump. Holy cow, he is out on the stump. I mean, he is going pretty, pretty wild. Uh, he will be out, I don't know, three, two or three visits, every, two or three events every single day. Extraordinary to see. We'll talk about that in a moment. And uh, tomorrow on the Pro America Report, Judge Janine Pirro, the famous Fox News analyst and judge, will be with us. She's got a new book out. Said The title is Don't Lie to Me and stop trying to steal our freedom. She'll be with us. All right, let's get to it. It's great to be with you. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Listen, what you need to know, what you need to know, the wink, W-Y-N-K. We dropped the T, the two, wink. What you need to know, you can find every morning, you can get a 5 a.m. email that says what you need to know. Go over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Tune in there to find out exactly what you need to know. But we do it right here on the first segment of the show. In a few minutes, we'll talk with Dr. Brett Decker about politics and what's happening in the heartland. And then Mickey Kaus, the famous Democrat who is, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Kaus, Mickey, K-A-U-S, Mickey. He'll be with us. He's got a piece that he posted on his um, blog about Andrew Sullivan. Andrew Sullivan is predicting and demanding that there be a Trump landslide against Trump, an anti-Trump landslide, so that America can, I don't know, reset or whatever he said. Anyway, my, uh, Mickey Kaus takes it to pieces. We'll talk about that and a lot more. Okay, but first, what you need to know. Look, the Democrat opposition in the U.S. Senate to Amy Coney Barrett has disintegrated. She is so good looking. She is so smart. She is so held together and put together and managed and everything else. It's unbelievable. She's I think she's 48 years old. If she's not, she's neither 47 or 48 years old. She looks great. She sounds great. Earlier in one of the hearings, I noticed that Senator Cornyn of Texas said, can you show us your notes that you've been looking at? She held up a blank page. She'd been quoting from chapter and verse of all these Supreme Court cases and holdings. She's just very, very smart. Her family is just gorgeous American family. Her husband looks great. Her kids. Uh, she's adopted two children that are, uh, how to say, uh, dark-skinned. I don't know if they're African-American. I think they're from Haiti. Uh, but the, she said that the George Floyd um, killing uh, and how it played out, of course, we know a lot more truth about that now, but how it played out, she was devastated, worried about her kids. She just said, it's very human. But more importantly, the Democrats have just degenerated into sort of yelling and not even they're not even yelling they're just sort of uh, lecturing it to their base they're not asking her any hard questions they're not really putting her on the spot uh sheldon whitehouse of rhode island just sounded like a jerk uh lecturing and pandering to his base uh dick durbin was at least a little clever he was a lawyer in his day i think he still is a lawyer but he was a little bit clever amy klobuchar was screeching showed why she wasn't uh picked to be the vice president or anything else um although maybe she'll end up something in, a, in, a, in an administration in four or eight years from now. But um, 
In other words, here's what you know. They are losing. They're losing. She will be confirmed on the October 29th, Thursday. She'll be confirmed in the morning. She will be sworn in after lunch. And the Supreme Court will be changed uh, for the next 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, maybe longer. Pretty extraordinary turn of events. I, You know, I did a periscope. If you go over to Twitter and watch me, follow me on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. And I did a periscope. I said, Amy Coney Barrett is the best running mate Donald Trump could have after Mike Pence. And what I mean by that is that the two of them, Amy Coney Barrett, on the front page of the Washington uh, Washington Post yesterday, on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, in all the news for the next three weeks, one after bang, 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 Amy Coney Barrett, very attractive, very smart, very accomplished woman across the country. People look up and go, huh, Trump, Trump's got around him this very accomplished, very serious, very talented VP, very accomplished, very serious, very, talent, very talented Supreme Court justice. It's fantastic optics. And meanwhile, he's picking up the pace himself. We'll talk about in a moment. Amy Coney Barrett is through. She will be confirmed. Look, Robert Reich, the famous labor secretary, left-leaning, you know, kind of political lefty uh, under Clinton. He was uh, under Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton, now at Berkeley, has been for years, a real liberal. And he said a tweet that said something. I'll talk about it later in the show. He wants to get rid of the Electoral College, but he basically concedes that all these justices, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Alito, um, Roberts, all confirmed by uh, presidents who didn't win the popular vote. Um, that's the rules. That's the rules, pal. That's how it works. But he made a big deal. Well, he wants to get rid of the Electoral College. My point here is he conceded, he's an insider, that Coney Barrett is through. She'll make it through. So amazing turn of events. Look, they're going to write history books on this period. And, and Mitch McConnell is going to deserve a glowing chapter on what he's done for judges. Extraordinary. Really impressive. Amazing to see. Uh, and we'll just see what the process holds. Of course, we felt like uh, Kavanaugh was going this smoothly, too, if you remember. And then, bammo, something came. But I don't see how they do it uh, in this case. So we'll see. We'll try. We'll just track it and see what we see. So that's the one thing. All right, second thing you need to know, Donald Trump, he's on the move now. <laughs> Whatever the medicine he got to get over COVID, he's back and strong. He was in Florida the other night. I saw his schedule. He tweeted his schedule. He's doing like three. I think in one day he's going North Carolina, um, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania in one day, maybe Iowa the next day. I mean, he's just going now. Be, be, let me be clear. There's no better way to travel than Air Force One, I got to think. Maybe private jet without all the encumbrances, all the extra people and all is pretty fun. But, I mean, it is is top-notch luxury. That's like a five-star luxury hotel uh, flying through the sky. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why incumbent presidents have a a real advantage, because they can use Air Force One also as the backdrop. Remember, he uses that as a backdrop. His rallies are taking place in airports. So, But he's on a move. And last night or two nights ago, whenever it was, the I guess I watched the video, so I'm not even sure. It was in the last day or two. The president in Florida, he was dancing to YMCA. He's pounding away on his message. Look, he's in he's in the final stretch of this term. He you know this um, election cycle. He's pounding away. And meanwhile, Joe Biden is on cruise control. Now let me tell you something. This is what you need to know. It's the same thing that happened in 2016. They think they got it in the bag, the Democrats. It's amazing they're falling for this. The the polling is not making sense with what's happening on the ground. We're going to talk to Adam Mill, the author who writes over at American Greatness, I think tomorrow, about his piece that why doesn't it feel like Biden's winning? Because he's not. 
all the metrics, attendance at rallies, door knocking, all the kind of things, attention, energy, they're all in Trump's favor. He hasn't lost a single vote in his party. I mean, a handful, perhaps. But he's at, at this point, he's solidified his Republican Party. They're going through fire for him. They're coming out of the woodwork on guns. As uh, Adam Mills' piece, which I'll put up on social media, says, you know, if you bought a gun, you're not a Democrat, likely. And there's 17 million new gun owners in the last few years, something like that. Maybe not new gun owners, maybe gun purchases. But the point is, this is a huge, none of the things that make sense to say Biden is winning. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is actually the candidate for president, and she's the most liberal nominee we've ever had. She wants Medicare for all, which destroys Medicare. She wants Medicare to cover, all, uh, excuse me, she wants health care plans, all of the, she wants our health, pl- our tax dollars to pay for health care for illegals. Do you know how unpopular that is? Kamala Harris wants to pack the Supreme Court. She's liberal on abortion like nobody's seen. It's unbelievable that she's a nominee, and she really is a nominee for president. So Biden is tanking at this point. He's in the tank. He's fading. And the media is desperately trying to spin it that he's doing great. He's not doing great. He's tanking. It's, it's, it's amazing. And here comes Trump with all the energy. And same deal as 20, 2016. They said, oh, Trump can't win. Trump can't win. There he was banging away. Rally after rally after rally. Messaging, adjusting, changing. Bam, bam, bam. They did the Billy Bush weekend and he's like, oh, they can't win. Came, come, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Watch what happens. Now, we're going to see some election chaos. I can guarantee that. But I'm just telling you right now, everything is in place for a Trump landslide. John James, the candidate in Michigan, for for a senator, uh, a, a newbie, and doesn't hold political office, although he ran before. He's within a point or two of Senator Peters, a longtime incumbent who has a fortune in money. Do you really think that Michigan is going to go for the Democrats, for Biden, if the, if the Senate candidate and incumbent can't hold it together? No. No. And trust me when I tell you, I'm talking to the White House all the time, some friends that work in there. They're seeing the numbers. It's all going Trump's way. Look, it's going to be an electoral college landslide like you haven't seen in a while. Big enough to just shut everything up and go on. And one last thing. Don't you know, MSNBC, CNN, even Fox, they need Trump to win. They're making money hand over fist. The last thing they want is to change out. They need another four years of this. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. We've got a lot of great guests. We will talk, first of all, to our old friend, uh, Brett Decker, and after that, Mickey Kaus. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for the Daily Wink and to view all, or I guess you would listen, to all these segments that we are uh, that we do together. And our next segment is Dr. Brett M. Decker. Uh, Dr. Decker is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written, uh, I don't know, not, I was going to say scores of books. That's a bit much. But he's written a number of books on international affairs, one on China, one on the Philippines, one on uh, domestic policy. He's been the editorial page editor of the Washington Times and a, uh, uh, a journalist over at the Wall Street Journal, still now currently sits on the USA Today's Board of Advisors for their editorials, op-eds and all, and he is a professor at Defiance College in Ohio. Welcome back, Dr. Decker. How are you? Boy, it's just a great autumn day here in the northern Midwest. Colors are changing. What? You know, everything. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful environment for election chaos. 
<laughs> well, that's what I ask you. No, you, you again. You've uh, written about and covered and been involved in politics for a couple of decades now. Uh, we're th- you know we're three weeks away from this election, and the polling, according to if you read the mainstream uh, polling, and not even mainstream, mainstream, just all of it, they say Biden's ahead and Biden's ahead and Biden's ahead. Is that possible? I mean, do you see? Do you in Ohio? Do you see any indication of uh, Democrat support? Absolutely none. You know. I'm doing a lot of driving back and forth between Ohio, where I live, and Michigan, where my mom is. And I, I, the the anecdotal Trump support is stronger than it was uh, four years ago. So, I mean, every, like uh, it seems like the people who were aren't weren't sure, weren't engaged last time, are all are are all really out there. So, you know, if you wouldn't see the polls, you wouldn't see the media. To me, or you know, if it was just based on who I'm running into, like I see a just in the last week a ton of trump signs going all over it's about i don't know i drive about 100 miles back and forth to michigan all the time and both sides of that border you know the border the southern border with mexico might not be very you know very very solid but like that michigan ohio border like it is almost like eastern west berlin in the old days as far as as far as people thinking that's a demarcation point but both sides of the border trump signs everywhere just just all these all these farms all these neighborhoods my neighborhood like trump signs on both sides and across they all think i'm the neighborhood liberal because i'm a college professor <laughs> pretty funny that's They're funny all suspicious, yeah. you know tweed jackets and uh, scared <laughs> um now but what about the um so what about the covid what about the covid you know the issue in in ohio i mean are people uh are people more uh hysterical than what you hear from folks on the coasts are they less or were they more worried less what do you think you know it's interesting i was talking to a couple of my neighbors uh a couple nights ago and they both had it and if anything that has that experience has um, made them even more conducive to Trump's position because they're like, you know, and, and one of them has uh, some preconditions, but they're like, you know, we were, it was kind of bad for two, three days and then it was gone. It was sort of less serious than, than like the flu that comes around. They're, they're not in like that danger zone as far as seniors, but they're like, Trump is absolutely right. You can't let this control your life. In no way should it be like, closing down the global economy and controlling every aspect of commerce and business. So I, you know, I think in a bizarre way, the more people know people who've had it, who are, aren't senior citizens in that danger group, the more people are mm-hmm. starting to realize this has really been, really been overblown in a lot of ways, you know, and, and it, how we should have handled it, obviously look at the vulnerable, vulnerable groups and then adapt policy, direct policy towards them, but not the entire planet. We're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. I, that's right. And I, again, I think it's partly, as someone once said about this, it's the way they feel about the direction. No matter what, everybody, you know, is kind of, um, you know, worried for the ones in their in their lives who are particularly vulnerable. You know, your mother is older. My parents are older. Some people have diseases. Uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine has cancer and has had chemo and therefore has a very severely depressed um 
uh, you know, immune system. So all those things are right. Um, how about the economy, uh, Dr. Decker? I know we lost all these jobs. Again, directionally, the jobs are coming back. Uh, things are sort of opening up, although it does feel like a second wave of closures, whether you're talking about restaurants or some of the smaller retail, they're kind of coming, they've hung on, and you feel like they're going to come, you know, come, um, you know, uh, again. Where's the economy and how does it, how does, how do people feel about it? I'm worried about that aspect of it. I think the economy has sort of this 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 sort of second punch coming to it, and a lot of the hiring has been uh, government. Or a lot of the sort of furloughs that have been sort of set aside, and people going back to work. A lot of them are government and in larger businesses, but um, small businesses are still hurting really hard, and I think. I think that's gonna it's gonna continue to see a lot of damage as as people run out of the reserves they had. Um, you're gonna see a lot more closures. I think. I think the one thing though is people don't tend to hold that against Trump. And if anything, the problem as far as lockdowns and, and regulations now are coming from a governor. So I, I don't think that necessarily hurts Trump. Other than are you worse off than four years ago? The last year has been really hard on that. Uh, you know, someone was uh, telling the story today about uh, uh, reminding me of the details that in Florida, whatever the version of Walt Disney World, is it Walt Disney Land in Florida? I never give it straight, but the one in Florida is open and, and they're trying to get by and the one in California totally shut down. And someone said, well, this would be the great test of what is, you know, what's actually working. If everybody that works at the uh, at the one in Florida gets sick, you'll say, well, there you go. That was the thing. I, you know, I guess... Are we seeing the laboratories of democracy flesh out, or do, are people not noticing? You know, for a while, New York had a terrible problem of their nursing homes. It looks like it was a decision early on to have, have done uh, sent sent COVID patients home to nursing homes. But are we seeing that laboratory? Is it uh, is Florida doing better, or is it sort of anecdotal at this point? What do you think? You know, from from talking to people all over the place, I think the one thing I'm finding is consistent is that people don't know what to believe about anything anymore. So they don't trust their no. their government officials. They don't trust the scientists. So people on both sides of the fence or all sides of the fence or whatever, the one thing they have in common is no one knows who to believe and they don't trust any, any information they have. And obviously in a free society, that's not great when people, people don't trust any of the institutions of power. Yeah, I mean, I think that is. I mean, it, it, it feels like the fake news has driven people sort of over the edge. They don't believe any of the th- anything they're hearing. All right, uh, now, but one more uh, thing on this. What about higher education? You teach in a school. Uh, you have a lot of uh, friends and colleagues in different schools. A lot of them are still online. I mean, mostly online. Is that? It's kind of gone quiet. Is that sustainable? Well, eventually, people are going to decide. Well, why are we paying tuition if? You're just getting these online classes, right? I mean, the the, the experience isn't the same no matter what you want to do. You know, some grad programs, they can make pretty good online. But if you have large, say, undergrad classes and things like that, how do you, I mean, you need the in-person engagement, right? Especially if people are going to be shelling out big money for it. I think as far as it being related to COVID, I mean, you do kind of have this Petri dish of people uh, in dorms doing things and that they're not supposed to be doing as far as it is, a, it, it is an environment to spread very easily. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like, as far as elementary schools and middle schools and high schools, those are the people the least susceptible to getting it. Um, and mm-hmm. all the, all the numbers, all the evidence has shown that 
that it's not spreading through younger people. So the fact that like 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 public schools are closed all over the country is just is just crazy. And obviously that puts a huge burden on parents who have to figure out what to do with their kids when they're they're trying to go to work too. So um, I, I think a lot of that will get get back to normal just from peer pressure from the electorate. Uh, we're ta- we're talking with uh, Dr. Brett M. Deck. All right, today, three weeks out from the election, where does the election end up? Can you tell? I'm not feeling that great about it right now. I, you know, I, I, the, the Michigan Ohio signs thing. I'm kind of hoping there's a huge silent majority that shows up and shows that these polls right. were just as wrong or even more wrong than Hillary. But I'm I'm, I'm a little worried that uh, the Trump campaign's not really on top of its game. It seems like it's kind of on on autopilot and not like even it just doesn't seem like all the cylinders are firing on this campaign i don't know if, if you feel that too i, I you know uh, they're not doing a lot of things well, they should I, be doing like, well, I certainly see the energy up with the president now. The president is going on all yeah. cylinders, but I, I think the rest of it is uh, up for grabs. All right, I got to run. Uh, the uh, the, um, the uh, New York Times best-selling author, Dr. Brett M. Decker. Thanks, uh, Dr. Decker. We'll talk again next week, uh, and uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego. Welcome back, Ed Martin. Here on the Pro America Report, and in my inbox, um, well, I guess uh, yesterday or so, uh, maybe earlier this morning, I can't remember, was an email from Mickey Kaus, which is always a good news because sometimes he'll email me just and say hi. But today it was uh, because he's got another posting. In this case, over at the Kaus Kaus files, if you go over there, you'll see he's taking a part a recent. uh, piece by Andrew Sullivan. In fact, it's cows.substack.com is where you can find this. All right, so Mickey, welcome back. And um, taking apart Andrew Sullivan, I have to say, first, uh, broadly, did, does Andrew Sullivan, I know he writes with a lot of uh, energy and he's very smart, he's a good writer, but does he get it right on politics? I don't even know to know. And he may, he definitively says what he thinks. is. Does he have a good record on this? Uh, uh, he has a mixed record. Uh, he, he's... Um he is largely uh, responsible for the the gay marriage uh, being basically winning the public debate, uh, but he's gotten right. a lot a lot wrong. He is British. He doesn't completely understand American politics. Uh, he's 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 I call him excitable. He's he gets all excited. He understands what uh, one writer I like called the wobble, which is you get attention by going to the extreme of one side or the other, and, and mm-hmm. not by, you know, being in the middle. So he went to the extreme of calling for a landslide, landslide defeat of Trump on the grounds that somehow this is going to make Biden more centrist, which seems mm-hmm. insane to me. Well, and I guess one thing on this is, uh, Mickey, you, you've been around watching politics close. And actually, you know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked, used to say one of the important things that she did was run for office and lose because you sort of understand how the system works better and how candidates are motivated. And I know you did that, too. Yeah, I did it once, sure. too. Um, and and uh, but uh, what are you feeling? I mean, again, I have a sense that the that the electorate is um, not where the polls are. I'm not sure that means a landslide any which way. But what is your feeling and broadly about what you know you're observing in the American electorate? My feeling is that Trump is behind, but not as behind behind by as much as the polls, and he has enough time because things move very fast these days to make up the difference. But in these in these sorts of elections, the 
public tends to flop one way or the other at the end. And I'm mm-hmm. especially in the Senate races, they all go one way or they all go another way. And I'm terrified that Republicans are going to lose control of the Senate. And then it's Katie bar the door for any crazy idea that Democrats have. Because they'll get rid yeah, of the I, okay. so, Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Sullivan's uh, piece as a way to uh, to illustrate what's going on. I mean, one, as you refer to, uh, Andrew Sullivan says that uh, Trump has, as you know, exacerbated the tribalism polarization. Um, I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but I do know that it certainly is covered that way. I mean, the media has decided that's the business model and therefore maybe it doesn't matter what the reality was. The business model is really amp your people up on either side. Well, that's right, and there's no money to be made in the center, and the and the New York Times and the mainstream media are all making their money by being anti-Trump. And when any when Trump sort of offers an olive branch or tries to go to the center, it's ignored. So, uh, right. you know, it, it, and and my point was also that you know the Democrats bear a lot of the blame. I mean, they're the ones that spent you know untold amounts of energy trying to undo the 2016 election. Uh, right. you know, that's, that's polarizing, too. Yeah. Uh, we're talking Mickey Kaus and uh, at Kaus Mickey on Twitter, and uh, and I'll put up his uh, piece on, on social media. All right, another thing that's in your wheelhouse uh, from your, your own writing over these decades is one of the points here is that uh, Sullivan says, Trump has worsened social and economic equality when a reformist conserv- conservatism would seek to level up a society hacked by hyper-global capitalism. To me... That actually is just a guy who has too much education and likes to use big words and all because that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the one thing Trump did before the pandemic was he was for if you were an American citizen, he was going to be on your side. If you were in a prison overseas, if you were uh, in an American worker in between, you know, he wasn't going to do the Paris Accords because of that. Right. I mean, and that was having an effect. Uh, by the way, I think you, you say in here the wages were coming up, the labor market was tighter, but also the psychology was it felt like a lot of people thought they could keep moving on up. Right. And, and you know, before the pandemic, things were, were happening uh, that were good for for regular American workers who were finally seeing some, some payoff from Trump. And, uh, you know, supply lines were gradually moving out of China. It's all very slow. Right. And uh, right. the, the the borders were tighter, so the labor market was tighter. So workers, had, you know, employers had to pay them more because there wasn't cheap labor competition. Uh, and things were looking good for 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 Trump's whole worldview. I was actually happy that Andrew at least shared that worldview. He just reaches the completely perverse conclusion that the way to pursue that worldview is for Trump to lose, which doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, on that note, Mickey, not to get it too far down into the um, into the uh, into the covid uh, conspiracies. But I remember I think I asked you about it a few months ago and you were like, well, you like spending time by yourself and uh, didn't have too much trouble kind of adjusting your lifestyle for you. But when you look at it now, uh, the covid uh, hysteria. Well, is it hysteria? Do you sense? I mean, did the did the media manage it in a way that was more more detrimental? I mean, they managed everything else. It's kind of like that theory that you know, if you know your area of expertise, you see the news covered and you say that's not how that works, and then you th- look at the next page in the paper and the people say, oh well, wow, the news told me that it must be true about X or Y. And you know, so was the COVID thing managed against Trump in a way? I mean, he did shut down the economy. I mean, he did. That was supposed to be what the experts said. Was the thing managed to to be the uh, one of the ways to take him down? Oh, totally. I mean, they, 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 they've hyped the threat in order to get rid of Trump. And I think after the election, 
the hype will go away. But it's still a threat, and and I was heartened by a, a New York Times piece by their leading ep- epidemiologist reporter saying things are actually looking better, and some of the things Trump has done, like Operation Warp Speed, are actually working really well. Uh, and it was shocking to see an upbeat assessment from the New York Times, and I, Trump should jump on that. He should say, "Look, even the near, even my enemies of the New York Times say I'm doing a good job in some respects," and he is, I think. Uh, we're talking with uh, Mickey Kaus. Uh, Mickey, one last point. I'm sort of combining two of Sullivan's points, at least the way you pulled them out. One is that he says uh, Trump would have a big impact uh, getting, you know, changing the GOP back to whatever he wants it to be. And then the, one of the last points you make is Sullivan sort of approves the Republican populism. Look, at, at this point, the Republican Party is Trump's party, right? He, he has moved the party to sort of a, a decouple from China. He's moved the party to we've got to be at least tighter on immigration. Maybe we could maybe you and I would think he'd go further, but I don't think that's moving back. I mean, it's 97% of Republicans are there. People are winning for office at every level with that, uh, you know, America first, pulling people back from, pulling the military back from wars. I, what, where's the, re- I mean, I know things go in a pendulum, but it doesn't seem real to me that there's going to be a pullback in that direction to, you know, the party's going to certainly lurch back to Mitt, Mitt Romney. I don't see it. You wouldn't think that, but there are all these anti-Trump beltway swamp types running around, and they have a hold on the media. They they are the media in some some respects. They haven't been replaced by Trumpers, and uh, and, and where are they going to go? They're going to cause a lot of damage before they disappear. Are they just going to be absorbed into the Democratic Party? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and that, that's that's what I wonder. Well, and also on on certain issues, you're not going to walk back the China change in terms of the popular perception, but also the the uh, the party perception. Same thing on immigration. You could you can go back. Someone could maybe make an argument for more free trade. I don't think that wins a Republican primary in the next ten years. I I don't, I don't see how that could be. All right, one last thing, uh, Mickey Kaus. We're talking Mickey Kaus, and uh, how's the Amy Coney Barrett uh, play out? I I have said she's Trump's uh, second running mate. You know, he's got Pence out there now. He's got for the next three weeks her. Does that help enough? Does it matter, or does it? Do you think it's a non-factor? I think it helps a bit. There is the contrary theory that people who care about the court will say, "Okay, we got a six-three majority. We don't need Trump anymore." Uh, I just don't think many voters think like that. I think they think you know, Trump nominated this woman. She seems great. Why are the Democrats making uh, these these make-weight uh, arguments against her? Uh, so I think it does help. Yes. Yeah. Well, and 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 you're what you what you hear and see. She's going to get confirmed, right? Nothing's changing on that. Yes. Sure seems that way. Yeah, seems to be. All right. So you don't know who's going to win yet, huh? You need a few more weeks to predict whether Trump wins again. Yeah, give me give me four weeks. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think. Hey, I don't think you'll you'll need best out. December fourteenth is the electoral college, so I think you'll need right up till the days or a few before that. I, I have a feeling. But all right, Mickey Kaus, as always, thank you for coming on at Kaus Mickey on Twitter. I'll put his piece up on uh, social media. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Ed. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. For far too long, Americans were sold out by leaders who chose serving the global elites over we the people. Globalists seek power for the ultra-wealthy of all nations rather than supporting the ideals of a constitutional republic like the United States. 
Donald Trump ran for president, saying he would always put the needs of American citizens first. He reiterated this promise in his famous 2017 speech in Poland, and again in multiple addresses directly to the United Nations. His promise gave a voice to the sentiments of Americans everywhere, who were tired of seeing their own elected officials work for global elites rather than for we the people. President Trump didn't need money or power from the globalists. He was already independently wealthy and powerful. His name was known throughout the globe. Trump chose to work for we the people instead. He checked the power of the UN, dropped out of the Paris Climate Agreement, stopped bad multilateral trade deals, and defunded the corrupt World Health Organization. Ever the dealmaker, President Trump pointed out that America was paying for more than her fair share of dues in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. After putting pressure on the NATO nations and refusing to budge when they pushed back, they eventually caved by announcing a plan to make more nations pay more dues. Clearly, President Trump can't be bought by the allures of globalism. As his ultimate response to globalism, Donald Trump stands up to the Chinese communists, who've tried to use globalism as a means to destroy our way of life. They don't simply steal our jobs. They actively steal American intellectual property and with impunity far too often. Any president who would hold Americanism as his credo would have to push back against China's abuses. Sure enough, President Trump used strategic tariffs to pressure China into curbing their unfair practices. Even when he was attacked by people in both parties, as well as by China, Trump didn't back down. It didn't take long before Chinese globalists were forced to come to the table. Donald Trump stands in the shoes of George Washington, who made clear that the greatest service to the world is a strong America. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Ed Martin chronicles 100 times Donald Trump made a promise to the American people and followed through in the new book, Top 100 Trump Promises Made, Promises Kept. For details, please go to phyllisschlafly.com. Find resources and inspiration for this critical time at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, we've got to wrap things up. I want to educate you on this uh, in very important issue. You probably know who Robert Reich is. If you don't know him by uh, that name, you'd know if you saw him. He's uh, He teaches at the University of California, Berkeley, at Berkeley called Berkeley, and he's a... Um, uh, he's a professor, I guess. He's a professor of, I don't know, labor economics, maybe. He was the Secretary of Labor under um, Bill Clinton, and he he is big into left-wing solutions to all kinds of problems. He's a big lefty. Uh, but he tweeted, uh, Earl, uh, I guess it was yesterday, it wasn't today, it was uh, yesterday, well, I don't know whatever it was, it was in the last day or two, he tweeted the following tweet. He, he wrote the following thing in a tweet. What do these five justices have in common? Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, John Roberts, Samuel Alito, and then he wrote, they were all nominated by a Republican president who lost the popular vote. Now, 
first, you have to understand he's um, admitting that Amy Coney Barrett's going to be confirmed. That's the important thing about this. He's a he's as Democrat and insider and a base guy, you know, far left as anybody. So he would know they just don't have a way to stop it. So he's that's the first bit of news in this, which is worth noting. But the next sentence, the last sentence is um, is this. This is how democracy dies. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that this guy, Robert Reich, is arguing against the Electoral College. Now, remember, the Electoral College was a compromise at um, the uh, Constitutional Convention because smaller states did not want to give in to the big state version, which was to uh, was do it by represent uh, by um, excuse me, do it by population. Because if you do it by population at the founding, Virginia ends up with the most representatives and has control of the whole government. And so you couldn't do that, according to the small states that had a say, because they were there trying to get this nation to hold together, this uh, con- you know confederation. So what happened was then, there, then the, uh, the small states said, every state you know gets two. And then the big states said, oh, it's not fair. We have most of the population. We have most of the income. We have most of the, the uh, people, et cetera. I mean, population, most of the land, all that stuff. And so the compromise, which sort of burst forth, it wasn't well planned, it just sort of happened, was let's have two chambers in our Congress, in the legislative branch, one, which is done by two per two per state, and it would be um, two per state, and you, so Wyoming has two, and so does California. And then, the, and then the House of Representatives was by population, so in this case now California gets a gazillion, and uh, Rhode Island gets, well, Rhode Island has more than that, but uh, um, I guess uh, Montana gets one. Well, the Electoral College was similar in in that it was a compromise. They couldn't figure it out. And they came up with this path where they said, we'll have an Electoral College so that people aren't elected directly because it was done by direct population. Virginia would win every time. Now, they still won the first time and a, a couple times after that early on. But that protection was fortuitous. Because the Electoral College knits together the country. Because if it was only about population, you would just campaign in California, uh, big cities, in you know, Chicago, Dallas, and New York. You wouldn't campaign in any other place. And when I say campaign, you wouldn't care. So you wouldn't have any care. You wouldn't care about what anybody thought in uh, Nebraska. You wouldn't care what people thought in uh, in you know uh, Montana. You wouldn't care even what people thought in Tennessee and Louisiana. Those are smaller numbers. And so what the Electoral College did was create this sort of balance. And here's the key: everybody knows the rules every time they run for president. Nobody thinks when they run for president, if I just go to, if you're a Republican, Texas, and run up the score in Texas, that will help me win. I'll get the popular vote. Nobody thinks like that. The whole thing, the whole game, the whole, not the, yeah, well, the game, the rules of the game, the rules of the system require that you go through and you actually run according to the system. The President Trump said it once. It was kind of clever, funny. He said, uh, well, if you told me I was going to win by, if I was supposed to win the popular vote, I would have gone and done more rallies in California. Because by the time you get to the election day in California, most of the the national, most of the statewide races are are over. They don't have a good track record of winning. You know, you may be competing for some congressional seats, but you just haven't won much in the last twenty five years. So, but that system is what Robert Reich is objecting to, 
And if, in fact, the Robert Reichs of the world decide that that's the new position for the uh, for the uh, Democrat Party, which it sure seems like it, just like court packing is, just like uh, some of these other changes. And, and let me be clear. It's not like we're making this up. Nancy Pelosi, in her, the very first uh, House resolution she took up, H.R. 1, had this as a priority. Because this system becomes a, a that whoever can manipulate the masses the best wins. And whoever can manipulate the masses the best wins is generally the ones with the most money. And a lot of times, frankly, it's the ones that have the most power at the time that you start to manipulate. And so beware of the people who are saying, let's pack the courts, thereby ending the uh, the um, legitimacy and independence of the judiciary. If it ever had it, I'm not arguing. We can argue a longer time about that. But court packing clearly would throw off whoever whoever is in power when they can pack the court probably stays in power forever. And if you change the Electoral College, you guarantee that so-called sectarian interests, meaning the, the, the areas of the country that have a care, that care about one thing or another, but have big population, would band together and protect themselves in that way. So the electoral, and my, my concern here is the, the, the news in the Robert Reich tweet, and by the way, his Twitter is at RB Reich, at R.B. Reich. The news in there is, one, he's conceding that Amy Coney Barrett is through. She, I mean, it's, it's through to a nomination. She will be confirmed. And two, he's arguing to change the Electoral College, get, out, get the Electoral College out of our Constitution. That would be a terrible idea. It would be a disastrous idea. It would change the republic. It would really challenge the, 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 the chances that our republic keep going because it would simply mean one-party rule. And that would be it. All right. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, Joanna, for booking guests. And for you tuning in, we appreciate it very much. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there. You get it every morning at 5 a.m. Pacific time, the wink, the daily wink. And we'll talk again tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. 